0: Good stuff. Well, hey, it's good to be here. Good to see you guys today. We're going to have a great time together. Uh, Pastor Bob, for those of you who know and love Pastor Bob, he is preaching up in Whangarei today, so we need to keep him in your prayers. Also, please keep Rosie in your prayers. Many of you who call this place home will know uh, Roz, who's one of our um, much-loved older saints. She's in hospital at the moment, and she's just got COVID, which is a bit gutting. So um, she's in isolation, and we can't visit her for the next few days. So please keep Rosie in your prayers. That would be awesome. Well, I want to talk today about understanding God's path for your life because things don't always go the way we assume they'll go, right? Things don't always happen the way we thought that they were going to happen. And that doesn't necessarily mean anything. It doesn't necessarily mean that things are bad or that you're in the wrong place or on the wrong path. And we need to understand that a little bit more. You know, I've got a good friend of mine who he's He has such a trust in God that God will provide for him anything that he needs. He just has this thing, and and he always quotes Psalm 37, verse 25, where David says, I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. Now, it's really important, I think, in this to notice what David is saying and notice what David isn't saying. David isn't saying that the righteous will have a trouble-free life. David isn't saying that the righteous will always have money in the bank and abundant food on the table and a full fridge. David isn't saying that that the kids of the righteous will always be successful and make fantastic decisions all the way through. He's not saying that at all. But what he is saying is that God will always be with them, and he will be for them, and he will not leave them no matter what happens. And he's saying that as a result, God will provide for their needs not their wants, but he'll make sure that there's food and shelter and clothes. But it doesn't always mean life will be easy. Now, if we misunderstand that, the challenge is is that we can find ourselves with some version of a prosperity doctrine, which essentially says that the holier you are, the more God will bless you and the richer you will be. You'll spend your life comparing yourself with other Christians, ranking Christians on their apparent prosperity, and wondering what's going wrong with the path you are on, and then beginning to question God's character and promises. Because no matter how much we have, we can always look at someone else who's got more and wonder why don't we have what they have. I remember being in Africa on a missions trip years ago. In fact, when we were in our first year of marriage, we were over there. Uh, Pastor Bob took a team. We were privileged enough to go and working with some partners, um, some Elam churches in Africa, and uh, as part of that, we did a training conference for pastors, and there must have been oh, I don't know maybe eighty or ninety pastors there. And I remember just being struck by how thin and emaciated so many of these men looked. Many of them had travelled for up to three days from neighbouring countries, jumping on freight trains. Many of them had not eaten or or or, um, or drunk anything in those three days, apart from a little water. All they carried was the clothes on their back. Yet they loved Jesus. They shepherded their small rural congregations diligently. They prayed for the sick. They were men of faith. We were out in the the town marketplace one evening, a whole bunch of us, including a bunch of these pastors, and they began to sing and dance and hoop and holler, and and very quickly a large crowd gathered to see what all the fun was going on, and and once the crowd was gathered, then uh, then they they preached the gospel, and and many people responded to the life-saving message of Jesus. But I remember so clearly, as we were preparing to leave, one of the pastors seemed to have some sort of a seizure, and he slumped to the ground unconscious. Obviously, we gathered around them and, and um, didn't know what we could do. Um, and as we spoke with some of the other pastors, we understood that this man had cerebral malaria. Now, cerebral malaria is a serious, very often fatal Um, complication of malaria, which causes brain damage, coma, and in many cases, death. And on this evening, about 20 minutes later, this man did regain consciousness, but the pastors seemed to be very clear that he was dying and that there wasn't much they could do. You know what? Gathered in that dusty, hot African marketplace around this poor, thin pastor lying in the dust, who just seconds earlier had been dancing and preaching the life-saving gospel of Jesus, it was easy to think that God had forsaken him. It was easy to wonder where God was for him and for his family, and to ask, was this really the pathway that God had called him to walk? You know, sometimes we look around us, don't we, at other Christians. Uh, We look around at different people and and we do that to try and understand what the Christian life should look like. We look at leaders, we look at pastors sometimes, we look at visiting speakers to get some idea of that. But you know what? That's not the way to understand your unique path in life that God has taught, called you to. And the Apostle Peter found that. Let me take you to a passage in John chapter 21. Um, Jesus has ascended, Um from the grave. It's before Pentecost, but Peter and a bunch of their disciples have been out fishing. They don't know what's going on. Jesus is gone. It didn't. This whole thing hasn't rolled out the way that they thought it would. Peter has denied Christ three times before he was crucified. It's all a bit of a mess. And if you remember, Jesus turns up on the shore. They've caught nothing. Uh, then you get this reenactment of what happened when Jesus first called Peter. They got nothing, and Jesus says, throw the nets on the other side of the boat, and all of a sudden, the nets are full to breaking with fish. Peter comes in and then Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? We'll pick it up in verse 17. The third time Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, Peter turned around and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who's going to betray you? Verse 21. And when Peter saw him, he asked, well, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Now, what's going on with Peter? Peter's wondering... Like I think any one of us would. Why does this look like you're saying that for me to follow you means I'm going to die a death I don't want to die? Like I saw you die on the cross, and I get a feeling something else, something similar is coming my way. And Peter's going, "That's what I'm hearing you say about me." But but what you're kind of saying is that maybe John doesn't have to walk the same pathway. Maybe he's going to live a long and happy life. Like, what's up with that? That's what he is asking. And let me ask you this morning, have you ever wondered that? Have you ever asked, you know, wondered, why me, Lord? Why, why is this my life? Why am I going through this? Why am I walking a path of hardship when others seem to be walking a path of plenty? Sometimes we ask ourselves that. Or maybe you might ask, why am I walking a path, a path of loss and grief when others seem to be walking a path of health and blessing? Or maybe it's ran the other way. Maybe more like what I was asking when I was in that African marketplace. Why am I walking a path of relative ease and prosperity when others are walking a path of poverty and suffering? You know, we we all have questions about the pathway that we are walking in our lives as we follow Jesus. Sometimes we can even wonder, am I even on the pathway, right? Right? That God has for me. Well, today I want to dive into the Old Testament and and I want us to try and make some sense of this and try and answer a few of the questions that maybe we have going around in our heads. Are we all meant to walk the same path? If it's tough, am I on the wrong path? Or or if God doesn't do for me what I see him do for others, does that mean that he favors them more than me? Or, Or does it mean that I've missed it or mucked up? Or am I being punished If things don't look the same for me as it does for others. So what I want to do is, in the Old Testament, we read of two almost identical events. Moses bringing the people of Israel through the waters of the Red Sea. And then later, we read of Joshua bringing the children of those people through the waters of the Jordan. To the promised land. Now, these events, of course, are symbolic, right? I mean, they're factual, historical events, but they're also powerfully symbolic of what Jesus was going to do for us in salvation. In Exodus, we read of God's people in slavery being brought out by God's power through the waters of the Red Sea, which is a powerful line they crossed in which everything from their past was destroyed and released them into something new, into the desert on their way to the promised land. In salvation, we are found in slavery to sin. And we are brought out by God's power through the waters of baptism into a new life in Christ. The, the story of what happened with the people of Israel is the story of what happens to us as we come to salvation in Christ. Paul notes this in his first letter, to the church in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 10, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors, speaking of Israel, were all under the cloud and they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized, there it is, into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food, drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. This idea that actually Jesus was there with them, as well, the fullness of the Godhead was present. Now, in Joshua, Joshua, it's the next generation of these people that uh, are being brought out of the desert by God's power to fulfill the original promise. Their intent was always that God was taking them from slavery and bringing them into the promised land. Now, Joshua is doing it, bringing them from the desert by God's power through the waters of the Jordan into their promised land. Interesting, eh? The similarities there, Right? The leader is Joshua. Joshua in Hebrew is exactly the same word that we trans- we translate into Jesus. Joshua was their Jesus. Jo- Joshua brought them out through the waters of the Jordan River, symbolic of baptism. Do you remember of all the rivers and streams in Israel, which river was Jesus baptized in? He was baptized in the Jordan River. So we have this these Old Testament. There's stories that, that speak to us very strongly of what it is to be on the Christian path. Yet, on closer inspection, we find that these two stories are vastly different. When God brought Israel out of the wilderness and into the promised land under Joshua, it was completely different, as we'll explore in a moment, to what happened when he brought them out from Egypt through the Red Sea under Moses. Now, this is really important, right? Because it tells us that God has the same destination for us all in one sense, but that God will do it through Christ in completely different ways and in a different pathways. So let's examine some of those differences and, and some of the applications for us today. The first one is this. With Moses, God brought the people out very quickly or relatively quickly. He brought them out with powerful signs and wonders. With Joshua... God brought the people out, but only after walking past their promised land for 40 years. Here's the application. Some of us are saved suddenly by signs and wonders and amazing things. But others of us, we seem to walk by church. We walk past God. We walk past other Christians for years before we come to faith in Christ. And yet both are fine. Both are still the will of God. Here's another one, under Moses, God parted the Red Sea, like literally parted the Red Sea and made the water stand up on either side so that when the people walked out, they walked between the walls of water. I mean, the miraculous was in their face. They could not deny it. It was just there. They experienced the miraculous power of God. However, under Joshua, if you read the story, we find that the the water piled up, but miles upstream. Upstream. For the people of Israel, they just came to the Jordan and it just kind of slowly trickled out until it was kind of dry and they kind of wandered across through the mud. You see, some of us have got testimonies of miracles, of God speaking in an audible voice, of seeing visions and prophetic pictures, and yet others of us have never seen a miracle, have hardly ever heard God's voice, have never received a prophecy, and both are just fine. Both are the will of God. Both are still the pathway of God, as we see with Moses and Joshua. Here's another one. Under Moses, God destroyed all of Israel's enemies in one great wave of deliverance. Then the armies of Egypt came after them into the Red Sea, and they come up out of the Red Sea, and then God closed the Red Sea and destroyed all their enemies, just like that. However, under Joshua they had to go into their promised land and if you read it, they had to win the promised land back from the enemies bit by bit by bit battling for every inch over many many years. Here's the application. Some of us when we come to Christ have our addictions and our problems healed in a moment. It's like it's just it's just dealt with we're instantly set free from whatever it is that's kept us in bondage, smoking or drugs or alcohol or porn, whatever it is that battles within us. And yet others of us, we have to work through those issues and challenges over years, gaining victory slowly, bit by bit. And it's okay. Both of them are God's pathway. Both of them are what we see in Moses and Israel. And it's okay. Sometimes what we do is we find ourselves, if we're one of those people in God's Pathways, we've got to battle it inch by inch. We look at those people who have the miraculously testimony of being incredibly set free, and we think they're better Christians. It's just not true. God's Pathway is importantly different and unique for each of us. Here's one more. Under Moses, God provided everything that they needed. Bread in the morning, meet in the evening every day except double on Saturdays so that they have enough for their day off on Sunday. However, under Joshua, they would have to learn to work for their provision. Yes, God took them into a land, we are told, flowing with milk and honey, but the cows still had to be milked every morning and the honey still needed to be collected. Here's the application. Some of us have miraculous provision experiences. Some of us know what it is just to pray and God opens doors of abundance in miraculous ways. We don't need to even need to, need to seemingly lift a finger while others of us experience God's provision. But we have to work hard for it with grit and determination to see God's provision and to see His goodness over years and sometimes over decades. And both are the will of God. The point is this. We've got to realize that God leads us all on unique paths. One is not better than the other. One is not revealing the favor of God more than another. In fact, if you read the scriptures, we find that, one of the, that there are reasons for many of these things. Why did the people of Israel have to go in and battle slowly to overcome the enemies while Israel uh, saw it happen in a moment? Well, we read that actually God left the enemies in the promised land because Israel did not know how to fight. And so they had to learn again how to be strong. They had to develop skill sets that they didn't have after living their entire lives walking in circles in the desert. God has his purposes. And just because your pathway doesn't look like someone else's pathway doesn't mean it's the wrong pathway. And, and it's not only just these two images we get in the Scriptures either regarding the way God leads us, the way God redeems a life and saves a life and transforms a life, bringing it into a place of promise. There are many, many more we find in Scripture. Let me give you just a couple. Sometimes there needs to be a stripping away of everything and a leaving to make a new start in a new place, just like what happened with Abraham. When God told Abraham he needed to leave everything behind and he needed to just go and God would show him where he was going to. This can happen when someone needs to move on from a toxic life or a broken background or an abusive relationship. They get saved, but then everything has to be stripped away and changed. And that is the pathway of God for them. Sometimes there needs to be a resettlement and a learning to flourish in faith sometimes even within a difficult situation or place, like what happened with the prophet Jeremiah and God's people in Babylon. God said to them, after they'd been ripped from their home in Jerusalem and taken to Babylon, the seat of the the evil empire, if you like, of the day, and God said to the prophet Jeremiah, no, no, you're not going back. You're not going back to where you came from. I want you to settle down here. I know you aren't comfortable here, but this is my pathway for you. Settle down. Have your family here. Plant your crops here. Find husbands and wives for your sons and daughters here. Pray for the prosperity of this place that you are in. This is my pathway for you. And this can happen when someone finds themselves in a new job, maybe after redundancy, or in a new country after immigration, or in a new marriage. These things can happen where God says, you need to resettle here. Or here's another example. Sometimes there needs to be a massive rebuilding, a restructuring even of a life, like when Nehemiah brought God's people back to broken down Jerusalem and they had to completely rebuild the wall around the city. You know, this restructuring, this rebuilding can happen in someone who has been deeply broken down, burnt out, been through a terrible season in life, They might need counseling or coaching or going back to school or upskilling or retraining, learning to live to a new set of values, relearning everything all over again. This too can be the pathway that God calls us on. What's interesting is that when we look at these powerful pictures God gives us, both in Moses and Joshua and in the other biblical stories, we find that there are common things and these common things can help us understand God's path for our life. Let me give you three common things that are important for us to really understand and make peace it with. You can write this in your notes this morning. The first one is this. There will be trouble. There will be trouble in this life. Trouble in Egypt, trouble in the desert, trouble in the promised land. But Jesus said this in John 16. In me... You may have peace in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. You see, this is important, right? Because what what it's telling us, what Jesus is telling us, is that trouble or lack of trouble is not an indicator of whether or not you are on God's path. You know, trouble will come every major religion, every significant philosopher who's ever lived acknowledges that life involves suffering. Life involves trouble. And that's really helpful for us, right? We can stop worrying about whether it's going to come or not. It's coming. At some point in our life, we are going to face difficulty and challenge. So you know what? Because we're all going to face it, we can stop worrying about it. No big deal. Everyone experiences it. The key is What do we do in it, and how do we get through it? Jesus said, and this is interesting, right? In this world, you will have trouble, but in me, you may have peace. It's like I'm offering it, but you've got to take hold of it. And you may or may not decide to do that. Gosh, what a challenge for us, right? We can walk through trouble. We can walk through the challenges of this life with peace. We really can. With a deep and abiding peace, a settledness that it's going to be okay. And you've seen people walk through challenges like that, just like I've seen people walk with ch- through challenges like that, and it is so attractive. It's like, oh, I want that, right? We may have that. Yes, we can. But we've got to engage with that. And that leads us to the second common thing today is this, is that everyone's path is different. Joshua's path was always going to look different to Moses' path. We each follow Jesus. God calls us all to a space and a place that is kind of articulated in Scripture as a promised land, a place of peace and fulfillment and contentment with life, a place where actually we can find rest in the midst of busyness. But we each walk a unique path, facing unique circumstances with unique giftings, unique limitations and weaknesses, unique family of origin, unique things. It's always unique. Your journey will not look like mine, and mine will not look like yours. But the one thing that is the same is that each of ours should look a little bit like Jesus's. We are called to follow in His steps. 1 Peter 2.21 says, Not called to follow in my steps, I'm not called to follow in your steps. We are called to follow in His steps. And that's why I can take principles and encouragement and inspiration from your stories, and you can take those things from my story, but I can't do what you do, and you can't do what I do, and you're not called to, and I'm not called to. The key is always then to ask, what would Jesus do if He was in my shoes? And that leads us to His pathway. And that takes us to number three that I want to share with you this morning. Look, This is simple, but this is so important. This last one. Trust God no matter what. I just cannot labor that enough. Even when trouble comes, trust God. Even when the path looks different to what you thought or hoped it might do, trust God. God, trusting God is absolutely integral if we want to be on the right path going forward. Let me read to you from Proverbs 3. Man, this encapsulates this core truth from Solomon so powerfully. Listen, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to Him. Here it is. And He will make your paths Straight. You know, in Scripture, in the story of Israel, not just under Moses and Joshua, but under every priest, prophet, and king that we read about in Scripture, trusting God no matter what, this is so important, trusting God no matter what comes your way appears to be the most significant predictor of breakthrough and blessing. And drifting from trusting in God seems to be the most significant predictor of unnecessary distress and loss. The priority of this is so brilliantly encapsulated by the Apostle Paul in his letter to the church in Galatia. Let me read it to you, Galatians 2 verse 20. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but now Christ lives in me. The life I now live in this body, here it is, I live by faith in the Son of God. Faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Trust God no matter what. You know, some say that all roads lead to Rome. You've probably heard that. And we kind of hear that sometimes when it comes to religion, that all religions lead to God, all faiths lead to God. It's simply not true. The most cursory amount of study will tell you that, that, that the gods that different religions describe, they are not the same God. They have not got the same character, the same practices, or the same reality. However, within the Christian faith. There are many different paths to God's promises. So let me give you three quick keys on how to remain on God's path for your life. The first one is this, acceptance. Look, you might be in a bad place. You might be in an average place. You might be in a great place. I don't know, but one thing is true. Nothing will change in your life if you want to change something. Nothing will change by denying it or ignoring it, or complaining about it. In fact, it was those very things that Israel did, denied, ignored, and complained. Those practices done again and again, and Israel led Israel to find themselves out of the will of God, not on the path of God. But those who accepted what God was saying and humbled themselves, those were the ones who were saved, accepting the path that you are on. Gosh, it's it's not an easy thing to do, necessarily. I remember when, when I came to an understanding of spiritual giftings and realized that, that, you know, that the primary spiritual giftings of God seemed to have manifested in my life were encouragement and teaching. It's like, was there any reason why you couldn't have given me miracles? That would have been great. I've read lots of books about people, and it sounds like fun. But you've given me encouragement. Awesome. So you want me to go in going, hey, get on you, mate. Encouraging people? Seriously, God. Come on, what about Healing. What about, what about words of knowledge and words of wisdom? What about, you know, the, oh, there's so much you could have given me, but you gave me those things. But you know what? I had to accept that. Until I accepted that, I would never see the power of God manifest through that. I, I once knew this person who had powerful gifting on her life of administration. I mean, one of the most talented administrators I've ever seen. Everything that she touched and got involved in when she was in an administrative capacity literally flourished and grew. And I mean, in the church, out of the church, this woman was astonishing. And yet, at some point in her life, she refused to accept that that was the gifting God had put in her life. She wanted a pastoral gifting, she wanted to stand up and preach. That was what she wanted to do, and she was unwilling to accept that. And the tragedy is, over many years, she became increasingly marginalized within the church community because she wasn't called to that. She wasn't gifted to that. And the more she got out of her gifting and into what she wasn't gifted at, the more she found herself outside of the path of God. And it was just a tragedy. Can I say to you, Accept the gifting of God in your life. Accept the personality He has given you. Accept the pathway that you're on. Yes, you can make changes in some things if you want to make changes, but you won't make them without first accepting. Change always starts with acceptance. The second thing is simply this, obedience. Gosh, we don't talk about obedience enough because obedience is the turning point in any life. It's when the, when the Word of God comes, the truth of God comes, the revelation of God comes, and yet what will we do with that? It's one thing to accept it. It's an entirely different thing to then obey it, to step out in obedience on that. Let me ask you, what is God saying to you right now? What is the last thing God asked you to do? Have you humbled yourself and done that, whether or not you wanted to do it? I remember many years ago, Liz and I, were, we had an argument in the car. We were driving somewhere. We had an argument, as married couples sometimes do. And it ended up with us driving along in tense silence. And I'm driving, and I'm going, God, I've got to make this right. I don't know how to make this right. I, I, I'm not even sure what I've done. Let's be honest. I'm a guy. Uh, but like, this is not where we want to be. And so I found myself, okay, Jesus, what would you do if you were in my shoes? And I very strongly felt this prompting. Just you need to apologize. You just apologize right now. Just apologise right now. It's it's like almost like there was a there was a, an openness. There was a moment that I could have stepped into, and you know what I did? I didn't do it. I remember sitting there going, "Well, okay, yeah, I, I could do that. I could apologise, but like, I'm not even sure if I'm wrong." And I, I think I'd like it a little bit more time just to get my arguments in order and just rationalise it and just be clear on the issues before we engage in any conversation. And so half an hour later, I would completely rationalised everything, but totally lost the moment that God had created. I then tried to apologize. It was abysmal, and it only made the situation worse. Can I tell you that next time that happened, because luckily being married to me, there are plenty of opportunities for me to apologize. The next time it happened, then I sensed God saying, apologize now. Man, I'm in there. I'm on there. Honey, I'm just so sorry. I don't even know what I did, but I'm so sorry. And Liz graciously and lovingly helps me to understand what I'm doing wrong. Obedience. In whatever area of life it is in, obedience when God says it, there's an anointing on that moment, and you have to obey. Thirdly, faith. We've already touched on this previously. You can't get saved without trusting in Jesus. You can hear the gospel message. you can feel the spirit stirring in your body, but until you make that decision to trust, to trust, you will remain a slave. Sin. You won't see His victory in your life without trusting Him. You can want to change. You can even know you have to change. But it's only in faith, only in trusting God that the breakthrough comes. You know, we've got a friend of ours in, uh, from, from Dunedin days. Um, they were in the church in Dunedin. Uh, and this particular woman, she married later in life. She married this lovely, lovely, uh, very successful, very wealthy businessman um, she had this lovely ministry working um, as, a, uh, as a chaplain, um, Man, she was a big character, uh, and uh, boy, she was a real blessing to many. But that wasn't always her life, and one Sunday morning, I got up to share, and she shared her story, uh, her struggles as a young solo mum, pregnant, her boyfriend left her, no job, had to go on the government uh, benefit, life was a mess. And then she got invited to church. She got saved. And she began to trust God in what she did. And then she learned how the Bible teaches that we should take a small percentage of our income and and faith to God and and, and bless God by giving that to the church. Now she felt she could barely afford barely afford food on her government benefit, but she said, I just had to trust Jesus. It was either trusting him or walking away. So she said, I took 10% of my government benefit and I gave it to church. And to her amazement, not only was she still able to feed herself, but things began to happen. She got a job, and her income went up, and so she gave 10% of that. And it was still a bit of a stretch. Life was still a difficult journey. But the, and now she had to pay for childcare as well because she's got a job. But before long, she got a promotion, and then she got a pay rise, and then she got a better job. And every time she trusted Jesus, just trusted Jesus, that is her story. Now, here she is many, many years later, married to a great guy, no money worries at all, involved in a ministry that fills her soul in a powerful way. It is a wonderful story, but it started when she had nothing learning to have faith in Jesus. If you will accept your current reality, if you will humble yourself, if you will obey God, putting your trust in Jesus, you will not miss God's path for your life. In conclusion, if we get the team up now as we wrap up. You know, as we see in the Old Testament, God was leading both groups of people, those under Moses and those under Joshua. He was leading them to the same promised land, but their paths ended up looking very different. And how encouraging is that for us? Just because someone's journey is different to yours doesn't in any way mean that God is taking you somewhere different. It doesn't mean that God loves you more or less than anyone else. So let me ask you this morning, is your path a little bit more like Moses? You've seen signs and wonders, miracles right there in your face, incredible deliverance, amazing provision. Or is your path a little bit more like Joshua? You know, miracles, but you don't really see them deliverance that you just kind of got to trust for, provision that actually you've got to work hard to see. Can I say to you, whether you're in the Moses camp or the Joshua camp, you are both on God's pathway for your life. One is not better than the other. One is not more blessed than the other. Or maybe God's stripping things away and leading you to make a new beginning like He did with Abraham. Be encouraged. It might be hard. There might be difficulty. But it's still God's pathway for your life. (coughs) Excuse me. Or is God asking you to settle in and flourish in a place that you'd actually rather not be in? In a situation you'd rather not be in? Like he did with Israel, exiled to Babylon. That's okay. Be encouraged. If that's God's pathway for your life, there's no better place to be than where you are right there. Or is God doing a restructuring in your life, a rebuilding, a reforming, like what happened with Nehemiah and the people of God in Jerusalem? Here's the question today. Will you accept it? Will you obey him? Will you put your faith in? It? Let me read this again as we close. Trust, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to Him, and He will make your paths straight. Let's pray. God, I thank you, Lord, that in the in the midst of of life god and all of the different situations that we find ourselves walking in here today i thank you god that for every one of us you have a unique path to walk and god as we accept that and embrace that god as we seek to live lives of faith putting our trust in you at every point i thank you god that even if my pathway feels and looks a little different from someone else's. Like with Peter and John, I know it's the right path. I know that you will lead me and you are leading all of us to the same destination that we might find that promised land, where we might just take that step into that place where we experience your fulfillment and contentment, where we make a difference, but where we are at peace, where we know that we are on your pathway. And we know your presence and blessing on us. I thank you, God, that you have made a way for each of us. And I pray today that we will not just accept it, but God, that we will have faith and look forward with excitement to what you have as we continue to follow you, Jesus. I ask your blessing on each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Hey, look, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, You've never taken that step of putting your faith in Christ. And as we sing this final song in a few moments, and before that, we're going to get um, Gershon just to share a couple of things. But before we do that, uh, you know, if you've never taken that step of putting your faith in Christ, you need to know He loves you. He loves you. But the problem is, is that we're all sinners, and it's our sin that keeps us separated from God and from knowing and experiencing His love and His plan and His pathway for our lives. Jesus Christ came and died on a cross so that through Him, through trusting Him, our sin can be taken away. It can be forgiven. And as a result, as we receive Him, as we believe in Him, we can not only know forgiveness, but we can know what it is to have a relationship with God. We know Him, we experience His love, His plan, and His pathway for our lives. I tell you, there's nothing better I made that decision when I was 22 years old at a gas station here in Auckland. I have never regretted that decision. If it's time for you to make that decision to get right with God, then as we sing in just a few moments, why don't you have that conversation with God? Put your faith in Him. Accept Him. Ask forgiveness for your sins.